Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Hello, all you lovely Cosmere fans. We are back again for another in what I'm going to consider a soft series. The last few episodes, we've been talking about the powers of the Cosmere. First, the magical powers imbued inside of our favorite characters and how they can be manipulated, enhanced, compounded upon. And then last time, Fabrials magical technology ways to take that power and make it externally accessible. And I feel like this is rounding out the trilogy, the return of the Jedi, the return of the (laughs) king. It is in a way. This episode was listener requested, but it does fit very well with our last couple of episodes because today we are talking about Game Breakers specifically Lyft and Renarin, but also just kind of exploring this idea about different changes or ways that investiture might be manipulated or might start to grow outside of the structure and bounds that it has existed in so far. So often we are talking about how Brandon creates these limitations on his magic systems and creates more hard magic systems for these Cosmere stories. But it's important to remember that limitations are meant to be broken and to be pushed past. And I think what we saw with compounding and with the Fabrials and the ability to remove a spiritual link in some ways mm-hmm. to a magic system being used is also evidenced in Lyft and Renarin and maybe a couple of other characters who don't fit the mold so much that they may have yeah. potential to break the mold entirely. Let's get started with Lyft, our favorite and youngest Knights Radiant. Do you think that she's going to remain the youngest Knights Radiant? We've had a couple like, you know, older Knights Radiant. Mm-hmm. But are we going to get some that are younger than Lyft? I would think so. I would think that as things continue on Rashar in the way that they are right now, with more and more high level Spren becoming open to getting bonds again. Mm. We're going to see more and more Knights Radiant of all ages. Yeah. And we certainly know that Shallan bonded Testament at a fairly young age, younger than Lyft is now. And Lyft's backstory and the little tidbits that we get about her character growth throughout the main series and also Edge Dancer, let us know that she is unique among the characters as being one of the only people from the Reshi Isles. She is a Reshi by way of ethnicity. But not on the Reshi Isles. She has never lived there. She just knows that she is, like you said, Reshi ethnicity. Presumably her mother was also Reshi. She never talks about a dad, but she does talk about her mother, who she knew for a short time. I mean, her life is short up till now, so it's kind of all short. But uh, she knew her mother for a short time. Her mother has unfortunately died. We don't really know how or why or honestly even when. It seems to have been relatively recently, maybe in the last three or four years, when we meet Lyft. And she went to see the Night Watcher and eventually saw Cultivation, we think, three years ago, right? Yeah. So my guess is that like Dalinar, who Mm -hmm. had a trauma and then in his attempt to recover from that trauma sought out the Night Watcher, perhaps Lyft was on a similar trajectory. Yeah, that is kind of what my sense is. She also interestingly grew up in the city of Rall Alorim, which is called the City of Shadows, which is in Eerie. And we don't really have like 
any information about why it's called the City of Shadows. Everyone is like a little bit cagey about it. No one, you know, no one's vacationing <laughs> in Rallalorum, let's just say that. So I'm very interested in learning more about like why she and her mother were there, what happened to them there, what is up with this city. It certainly seems like it may have been a good opportunity for Lyft to learn some of those thieving skills yeah. that she's so known for. Yeah, super unclear what her life was like before she was a street urchin. Like, did she become a street urchin because her mother died and she didn't have ever anyone to look after her? She had to become a thief. Was her mother also in the thieving world? We really don't know anything about her mysterious past. But it is that that mysterious past and the likely trauma associated with her mother's dying that sent her on the path to seek out the old magic and the Night Watcher. We haven't seen Lyft's actual journey to visit cultivation. I wonder if that will be in a flashback in our future. Oh, I'm sure it will be. Because Dalinar's scene with cultivation is so important. And I have to imagine that it at least happened somewhat the same way in that she lift traveled to the kind of forest mm -hmm. of the Night Watcher and and then cultivation was appeared. like I'm going to take this one. Exactly. Now, we've speculated a lot in previous episodes about what this means for Lyft, Dalinar, and Teravangian, seemingly the three people who all went to see the Night Watcher and actually saw- And got cultivation instead. Which doesn't seem like a bad thing, but maybe it's not a great thing? <laughs> yeah, I think there's some dubious benefit, in particular in the- case of Lyft, well, I guess all three of them have sort of complicated interactions that don't necessarily fit neatly into the traditional boon and curse situation mm -hmm. that most people get when they only meet with the Night Watcher. Lyft goes and she asks to stay the same, basically, according to her anyway. And I think it's important to note that we don't know what her exact wording was. And when she references this moment many times throughout the bits and pieces we get with Lyft, she kind of changes the way that she refers to it in her mind. Like she doesn't use the same phrasing every time she thinks about it. So we don't know what her specific wording was, which I think is important <laughs> and may give us some clues as to why she is not receiving the boon slash curse that she thought she would. Because functionally, she doesn't understand why her perception of what she asked for isn't what is happening. So there's a confusion, a little yeah. genie in the bottle type of thing. Yeah, she sort of meant to ask that she would never change and like never get older, that she would stay a kid stay exactly the same person that she was in that moment. I think of it kind of like Peter Pan. Yeah, Peter Pan, has totally. A and then escapes to Neverland where he never has to grow up. Yeah, that's, I think, what she was going for and does not seem to be what she has received because she's very upset that she does seem to be aging, getting older, getting taller. Um, in Edge Dancer, she gets her period. So she's aging in many ways. And she doesn't know why because she's like, hey, I asked for this to not happen. What's up? In Edge Dancer, she says, quote, the wrong things were changing. She was supposed to stay the same and the world was supposed to change around her. She'd asked for that, hadn't she? Had she been lied to? End quote. This phrasing that she has right here, she was supposed to stay the same and the world was supposed to change around her may introduce the flaw if she is including that and brandon is including that phrase about the world changing around her that may present the loophole to explain what is going on is basically like if the world is changing and that was part of your desire 
then you are going to change too mm. because you are part of the world. Yeah, like physical realm is yes. changing, including your physical body. Exactly. It's not something that can be contradicted, especially when it's part of what you wanted in the first place. I also think it's important to note here that she questions, like she'd asked for that, hadn't she? Mm-hmm. That there's almost a sense of forgetfulness, like she doesn't quite remember what she said or what she asked for. Which, again, I think is important that she doesn't specifically remember exactly what she phrased it as. And with Dalinar and Teravangian as our other two examples, we know that cultivation likes to screw with people's memory. Yeah. Teravangian is going through the back and forth situation of good days and bad days. Mm -hmm. But part of that is, you know, being unable to express himself and to capture the difficult ideas of the diagram. And so that's kind of a, a lack of memory or a yeah, lack of cognitive ability. function. Exactly. And then Dalinar, clearly, his boon is very obvious, unable to think about or focus or even hear his wife's name. This may be a trend that we should consider Lyft being victim to as well. Something about memory. Yeah. That she maybe doesn't remember what she asked for or, like, doesn't remember what Cultivation's response was. Like, maybe Cultivation told her, okay, if you ask for this, like, this is how it's going to work. And she has some sort of Cultivation-induced amnesia about her interaction with Cultivation. I also thought there was an interesting word of Brandon about Lyft's boon and curse This is from 2018, so it's a little bit older, but this is what he said, quote, Lyft went to see the Night Watcher and got a blessing and a curse in that she can metabolize food and turn it into stormlight, but she can't use regular stormlight. And there is something else as well, end quote. So this is Brennan saying that actually her boon and curse is her lifelight metabolizing situation, which I'm curious how that connects to staying the same. It's certainly not a direct correlation or something that's easy to understand. Or yeah, have so a very it's simple like, answer. what else happened in this conversation that we got from point A to point B? Yeah, point and B. And or who's lying or forgetting. <laughs> exactly. I think that Right now, I'm feeling that there is forgetfulness or purposeful memory lapses, but the end result is kind of undeniable, which is this metabolism of food into lifelight. Brandon says Stormlight in 2018, yeah, but I do think that because of Rhythm of War, we know that it is lifelight that Lyft is producing. And this is interesting because, of course... Rhythm of War also introduces concepts of sharing the different types of light or connecting the different types of light, Mm -hmm. joining the different types of light. One of the ways we imagine Lyft may be able to break the game is in a conversion process within her, you know, able to act as a emulsifier for the different types of light like within lift whatever is going on that converts food into life light maybe that can be used for other types of light and other types of conversion as well i don't think lift would be able to do that maybe she serves as a template for some type of fabriel in the future okay yeah but i think that lift is although weird standardized in the sense that she eats and she metabolizes life light. We even have Brandon here saying that she can't use regular stormlight. Now we think that cultivation is ultimately setting up in some way, moving the pieces of Dalinar and Teravangian into positions of power where she can achieve her ends, which hopefully is, you know, good ends, positive ends. Yeah, hopefully is good. I don't know. Real questions after the whole Terravodium situation. Exactly. Was that ultimately her plan? Did she see that as a best of a bad situation type I mean, of thing? Yeah, like was definitely her plan. I think she just maybe doesn't know humans as well as she thinks she does. That would make sense to me. you know, kind of been hiding 
away from them, not super interacting with them. And so she put a lot of faith in Taravangian being a decent person, gave him this power, and as far as we know, still doesn't realize what Taravangian has become in Taravodium. That's a really good point. But I think that she may also have a last card in Lyft as, you know, Dalinar may be the in-between, the neutral victory. Teravodium seems to be the in-negative. The in-positive might be Lyft in this equation of three. And the question is, how do these abilities maybe help Lyft do that? Yeah, we've speculated. Lyft, I mean, she already seems to be the most end positive just in terms mm-hmm. of the abilities that she has gained from her interaction with cultivation. Dalinar and Tara Vangian both have pretty noticeable downsides to their interactions. And Lyft, I mean, as far as I can see, she's pretty much all upside. You know, she has an easier way of obtaining lifelight. She exists partially in the cognitive realm, which we'll get to, and seems to have a lot of powers associated with that. So I don't really see, other than the fact that she risks malnutrition because she burns all of her food into lifelight, uh, I don't really see a downside. We previously talked about how Lyft may be able to wield Nightblood in a way unlike other characters. Right now, we would think that Nightblood would drain her immediately of Lifelight, just like Stormlight would be drained. And then her reserve would be her own food intake, which is bad. That's a not good search. Yeah, I think it would just be like her body fat. Yeah, exactly. So in that respect, she is maybe the most vulnerable to touching Nightblood. Yeah. And that she would be the quickest to die because of that, like, uh, it's almost like a compounding uh, effect in the, the worst possible way. Yeah. See, Lyft would really benefit from a metal mind. Yes, if where Lyft, she can store. Yeah. If she had whichever one stores, like, nutrition or food, mm-hmm. food and drink, then she would be super powerful. As you mentioned, if there is a Fabriel based off of Lyft's abilities or some other type of conversion mechanism is figured out. That's basically how I see Lyft, is that other people are absorbing Stormlight and then expelling Stormlight. They're just transferring and like directing the power and the investiture. But Lyft is converting food well yeah she's creating yeah exactly and so that feels like a different thing she's a source of life light yeah and so if she can then find a new thing to pull from instead of food if for example i know but i don't think that's possible i think that's the thing about lift it's like food only yeah right now it's definitely food only and she's very weak But what you mentioned, let's go into about the idea of her existing partially in the cognitive realm. Yeah. Unclear, again, how this is related to her supposed boon and curse. Like, is it just a side effect of being given the ability to metabolize lifelight? Unclear. But she can physically interact with Windle. And she is not supposed to be able to. Yeah, Wendell is supposed to be a spren like Syl, who has very, very minimal ability to interact with Kaladin or just any physical objects. And Lyft can grip and hold on, climb yeah, she up like uses Wendell. them as a rope, as a ladder, all the things. And so this is where I was going. If Lyft exists partially in the cognitive realm and is maybe a little bit more spren-like than other humans, then she may have a different type of access to the spiritual realm as well. Yeah, that started to become my question as I took notes for this podcast too, because I started thinking about some of her abilities that are sort of unexplained, Mm -hmm. at least at this point, or don't seem to be really solidly connected to the other aspects of her power 
like her ability to break into the Stormfather's visions for Dalinar. She's able to just show up, leave whenever she wants. She doesn't have to wait for the Stormfather to like bring her in or let her go. Maybe that's because she's in the cognitive realm, but it seems like the visions are existing in more of like a spiritual slash cognitive maybe place, a place in between or something. Well, I think that while we saw Lyft go into those visions in the earlier books, we should compare it to what happened in Rhythm of War with both Hoyd visiting Kaladin and also Dalinar seeing Kaladin and forming that connection through the Stormfather Mm -hmm. to witness Kaladin and then give him the more time. I think that those are all examples of capital C connection, or seemingly that's more capital C connection, and that Dalinar was able to do those things because as a bondsmith, he's got a lot of connection abilities. I think that's what it was for Dalinar. For Hoyd, it seems like maybe it was something else, but like Hoyd is Hoyd. And so I don't know if that applies to Lyft, but it does seem like she would need something other than what we know she has. I agree. It seems like one step beyond her abilities of, or like a way that her abilities could work in the far future. If she had like far more development, you know, far more skills. It's almost like lift is a perpendicularity. Mm, Okay. You know, like when Dalinar opens a perpendicularity to infuse spheres, Mm -hmm. you know, power comes through, infuses the spheres. He sort of forges this connection between the spiritual, cognitive, physical realms. Yes. And that seems a little bit what Lyft is doing, but on a smaller scale because it's like just inside of Lyft. Exactly. (laughs) She has like a perpendicularity inside of her. Yeah. And she can only utilize you know, the bare minimum to kind of keep the perpendicularity open. It's just like a little bit of food coming in. That's the physical realm going through lift, who is both physical, cognitive and spiritual, and then conversion happening to pull out life light from the spiritual realm. But it happens on a really, really small scale. Right. And so the deep speculation is, what if she can expand that scale radically? She can somehow bring in, like, something is happening with Nightblood, where he's, like, sucking in people's investiture, souls, blah, blah, blah. What if Lyft can also suck in things in a way like that? Or, like, reverse Lyft as Kirby? Yes, 100% lift as Kirby. This (laughs) this now lines up perfectly. She does a kind of reverse Nightblood where she brings things in and doesn't turn it into black smoke and death. She instead turns it all into lifelight. And if she could scale up, become a perpendicularity unto herself. Interesting questions. Hit us up on all the different social media if you like lift as Kirby (laughs) because I'm going to make t-shirts stickers socks <laughs> lift just inhaling pancake after with pancake. a huge mouth just <laughs> sucking like kirby does the other thing we should mention about lift is her ability to see cognitive shadows this is probably a side effect of her being partially in the cognitive realm but again maybe there is like a spiritual aspect happening here as well obviously she sees zeth's poorly attached uh, soul in Edge Dancer. And then in Edge Dancer, she also sees a soul leave a body after Nail kills someone. So it's not just Zeth. She sort of has extra senses for cognitive shadows in general. This also, to me, brings up an interesting question about the afterlife on Rashar, because there is clearly a religion about the tranquiline halls Mm -hmm. and kind of going to the halls waiting for the moment when the souls would be needed and that's the basis of their religion but on scandriel we saw that fuzz preservation had a ritual for the souls 
that seemingly he implied he did with every single soul as they died. And that was a transfer between... To the beyond. Yes, to the beyond. And so I'm wondering, you know, how physical are these souls that Lyft is seeing here? How, where are they? Are the, is there a tranquiline halls that actually exist where the souls go and they don't go to the beyond because they mm. don't have an honor or a cultivation to usher them there? I don't know. I feel like they would still go to the beyond. I think that the tranquiline halls sort of metaphor comes mm-hmm. about maybe partially because of what happens with the fused and the heralds to a certain extent that there is a way that people in the past have known and seen where souls can continue to come back that seems like because the tranquiline hall situation is like you're gonna go to heaven quote unquote the tranquiline halls and do whatever you did in life in the divine realm so if you're a soldier you're gonna fight if you're a farmer you're gonna farm and you're the the best for god yeah basically lift is little christina ritchie who sees Casper, the friendly ghost. Yeah. And that is going on all the time. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, Lyft hasn't seen too many dead people for her young age, but presumably as she gets older, it will probably get worse. Gets worse before it gets better. One very interesting and funny fact uh, that I found from this word of Brandon here, liberal arts and crafts said, Lyft can drink everyone under the table it's established that stormlight can heal the toxic aspects of alcohol thanks to the misadventures of veil it's established that shortly after consumption lift can metabolize caloric value into stormlight alcohol is very high in caloric density on par with sugar and fat and well above complex carbohydrates and vegetables so lift Once she gets around to trying booze, should be able to quickly turn the calorie value of alcohol into stormlight, which then cures the drunkenness. Indeed, alcohol might well be a good way for her to keep her reserves, since it keeps very well, can be produced from sources that don't work as food, and is so calorically dense. It also means that she can beat Rock at a drinking contest, even if they both start with the same amount of stormlight and gems. This should happen. Brandon jumps in and says, yep, I think this is accurate. End quote. Love it. I can't wait to see a drinking contest between Lyft and Rock. Well, I think we should also throw in Shalon, who is incorporated Vale. Yeah. And she's just like, Shalon, I didn't know you drank. And she's like, I do now because she's now Vale <laughs> yeah. as well. This is interesting, mostly because I want a Lyft on Scadriel hanging out with, with wax and wax and he is going to drink his like cod liver oil now. Right? Yeah. It's just a, you know, disgusting mixture made by Steris. And it is now Lyft who's tossing back the whiskeys just nonstop for that caloric bump that she needs and can then convert into lifelight. Yeah. I mean, I do worry about Lyft becoming malnourished. So maybe she just needs to drink more. I wonder if there is like a super shake, a protein oh a protein shake of rashar yeah exactly (laughs) but just lift specific just like how can we get you as many calories as possible to maximize your lifelike production yeah i really hope that at some point they're like lift we need you we need your powers so here's what we need you to do we need you to sit down at this dining table and eat as much as you possibly can every day and lift just becomes a really fat person because she's like it's for power guys would she even become fat or would it no, instantly be No, I don't think off? so. Yeah, I don't even think it gets to the point of being converted into fat because that's your body being like, I have too many things, I'll store it as fat. But Lyft never gets to that point because her body's just like, I need to turn this immediately into lifelike. Well, I think she can store as fat. She just then burns the, the fat, fat into lifelike, which is why she is... So rail thin. Right. So thin now. And again, like constantly almost malnourished because she's constantly using up her body's energy reserves. Let's roll it over to everyone's favorite Colin, the forgotten Colin. Oh, no one forgets Renarin. The future scene, ultimate healing, truth watcher, kind of? Renarin Colin, exactly, (laughs) is a character that... I think we know even less about than Lyft, and we have less information about Renarin and 
there is more direct potential from his existence. Like, I feel like Lyft could go in a lot of different directions, but Renarin is a game breaker in that he is a clear representative that the way the Knights Radiant work, the Mm -hmm. Stormlight powers, all of that is not the only way. And so therefore, you have to go down that Renarin path. Yeah, his existence and like the bond that he has bring up a lot of questions for the magic on Rashar. So let's just start with his Spren bond. Mm. Obviously, he's bonded to Gliss, who is an enlightened slash corrupted mist Spren. And therefore, his oaths are different from regular Truth Watchers, and his abilities are different. And that is Word of Brandon. We are still finding out the ways that his powers manifest differently from other truth watchers but we do believe that his ability to see the future and to get glimpses of the future shown at least the one time and the most vivid time as kind of like stained glass images around him that are manipulating and transforming that is rather unique in the way that it is presented even among truth watchers that type of thing would be weird yeah in this last book we hear a little bit about now there are you know more truth watchers than just renarin and none of them have that future sight capability they also are all able to use the illumination surge similarly to shallan mm-hmm. whereas renarin can't really use that surge in the same way yet he's said to be able to make some lights that like behave weirdly and that's Mm -hmm. kind of all we hear about it his surge of progression does seem to behave as we would expect it seems to behave the same way that lifts does where he is able to Heal. heal people yeah presumably also like grow plants and things like that what we have seen from Renarin is an incredible personal healing power that is so far the most extreme that we have seen in the Cosmere, or at least one of the most extreme, when he gets squashed by... Oh, yeah, by the Thunderclass? Exactly. Like, and then he just like pops back up. Springs back into existence. Now, we know that clearly... All Radiants have healing powers, but it does seem like the combination of progression and regular Stormlight healing basically means Renarin can't die. Is or invincible. Is, he's yeah. very difficult to kill. And I think that there's lots of speculation about what exactly is happening with Renarin's surges. But I want to introduce something that we talked about in our previous episode in this series, and that's the concept of resonance points and Mm -hmm. the way that when any two powers or surges are used, there is a new thing created in the middle. And I'm wondering if this is speculation across the interwebs, not just my own idea, Okay, but I am thinking that maybe... What a corrupted spren is, is a hyper focus on the resonance points to a detriment mm. of the regular surges, mm. like an inverse. Yeah. They, they take what everyone else maybe gets a little glimpse of or just has a tiny bit of the resonance point ability. And instead, they get all of that resonance point, but they can only make little lights with illumination and don't have the same skills with the surges but he does have the same progression surge so i don't know if i would go for that it also seems like more than emphasizing the resonance point it would maybe add a resonance point because the resonance point is happening between cultivation and honor in the surges usually that's what most of our knights radiant are Mm. accessing okay Whereas for Renarin, he's also got a little bit of odium in the mix. So it almost seems like he would have like an extra resonance point. Okay. I mean, I like that idea or the way that you would draw a 
Venn diagram. A Venn diagram with three different circles. Yeah. And so the... You've got extra stuff. Exactly. You've got a whole new thing right in the center. That's Renarin. And that is maybe what Renarin is the best example of is how those three different shards and the three different powers of the shard can operate within a single individual. He does seem to have some interesting abilities, which, again, we don't necessarily have really strict correlations for and, like, why he's able to do these things. But we see him completely banish all of the life and, like, the animating force out of a thunderclast while he is fighting one. He just takes it down. So powerful. He also does that cool thing where he is able to show people an alternate version of themselves, very similar to an Allomantic Malatium. He shows Adolin what he might be like in the future. He shows Moash what he could have been if he had made different choices. I think it's a really cool power. It certainly is an element of spiritually connecting to these people and these individuals and also like projecting forward yeah in a way that shallan does similarly but in a different avenue which is through her drawings right and she's able to see the best version of themselves but then the thing that's still up in the air and the question mark is for shallan is she also able to transform people into the things Mm. that she imagined Mm -hmm. so can she set them off on the path to become the drawing that she starts with and maybe what renarin's variation on this ability is is the possibility or potential of what a person could become based on many decisions or something like that. Hmm. So like Adolin is able to see what he could become, Moash, if he made the different choices, who he could have been, and he lacks the ability to like send them in that direction type of thing, where yeah. that's kind of the the breaking point between Lightweaver and Truth Watcher. Well, so my thought was maybe that is Renarin's resonance point where... He's using illumination and in this instance, I'm thinking of progression as like forward moving. So future, Mm -hmm. you know, so he's like illuminating the future of this person. That's what I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. Whereas Shalon, to your point, she more shows the best version of them or the good in them that exists now and sort of like inspires them to tap into that best quality but it's something that is present right now not in the future so maybe that's the difference i think those are really interesting speculations and like the slight variation in what we said i also think is important because we can definitely imagine a lot of ways that these powers can work and can develop and i think the most important thing to remember is that they are going to develop and yeah. we are going to transform and we should learn more and we're just getting little glimpses and little hints of what is possible right now. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Renarin's ability to see the future in those stained glass images. A lot of questions about what exactly is going on there because as far as we know, he is the only person who experiences this. We don't really know how much influence Odium has in these visions. It's possible that Odium's desires sort of color what Renarin is able to see, uh, like we saw in Oathbringer where he envisions Yasna killing him, which doesn't happen. And we have the oft-repeated mantra of do not trust anyone who claims they can predict the future. And so this question of is future sight tainted by odium or ja'ana or somehow tainted and unreliable, or is there an inherent flaw? Like because Renarin was afraid and grew up 
the way that he did as the the second son and maybe even like you know the third behind someone like jasna an alcoholic father yeah and forgotten and pushed aside all of those traumas that he experienced is that personal development or lack thereof than influencing every single thing that he sees does he have a fear about being rejected by his family does your own perspective impact what you're able to see or like what you can project exactly and so like was the fear of being rejected by his family manifesting as yasna killing him Mm -hmm. even though maybe the actual number of possible times that yasna killed him was relatively low and like his power should have ignored that it couldn't ignore it because it was his personal failing that's an interesting point i think it is also important to say though that his ability to use the future is not something he controls Mm -hmm. it just happens to him it like replaces his previous epileptic attack once he becomes a radiant his epilepsy is healed but he starts having attacks of future sight instead so i think that also sort of puts a point in the category of odium having some influence or control over the future sight shenanigans that's definitely an interesting idea that his injury was replaced by something else in this case a corrupted spren and we know that a breaking of the spiritual web is a precursor to most radiance and many of the magic users and so yeah if you're broken in exactly the type of way that odium thinks he can get in and use your spirit web to his benefit i would imagine he would try to do that but i also wonder how distant Odium's influence is from yeah. Gliss yeah. and Renarin. It seems like it would be more of a passive yes. influence. Like maybe if Odium gets really upset, he sort of like inadvertently causes a future site earthquake in Renarin. What is worrying and troubling is, of course, that Odium Resa is not in charge anymore and now right. it's Teravodium. And yeah. so he figures out a Skadrian-like problem, a ruinous-like situation where you can use the hemallergic spikes to directly mm. control. And he now has a bunch of corrupted yeah, spren the corrupted out there spren. are his hemallergic spikes that are in Renarin. And then yeah. are, is he does he become the new Marsh, basically, resisting the influence of a shard who has like a grip deep inside of them that's That's a good question i really hope that that is not the case there is the possibility that renarin is actually void binding which we don't really know anything about and i'm not really clear on but here is a word of brandon argent asked Let's talk about Renarin and void binding. So with that page we talked about, Renarin void binds. I asked about visions. You pointed to the void binding chart. He void binds. Is that using stormlight to power abilities different from the surge bindings that we've seen? Brandon says, yes. Is that what void binding is? No, but close. You're on the right track. We are going to get into that. I'm not going to tell you what the chart means and things like that. But yeah, something really weird is happening there. Again, not really sure like what that means, but apparently there might be some type of void binding happening with Renarin, even though he is using Stormlight and not Voidlight. Like I was talking about before with Lyft, figuring out some aspect of her conversion, maybe to... That is what is going on with Renarin and all game breakers is that they can do something that everybody else says is not possible. They, like Sprenbon equals using Stormlight. But Renarin could be able to convert or be able to figure out some aspect of using the power to fuel his magic that then is copied in the basis of the Fabrials that Navani uses or something like that. And we have this kind of new exchange, this concept of the emulsifier being able to mix two different powers together and to create something new. And I 
kind of think that that is basically what Lyft and Renarin may be, is kind of like emulsifiers. Yeah, I have a lot of future speculation for this, but do we want to dive into some words of Brandon first? Yeah, just kind of a couple of disconnected words of Brandon that provide, I think, some extra insight because we're talking about these characters as game breakers who can break the world or the magic systems around them because of who they are and what they're able to do. I think it's important to remember that all of the characters we're being introduced to are probably abnormal and special yeah even compared to other radiance and certainly compared to other people around them yeah i do think that that is important to always remember like lift and renarin may be doing these different things that we just spent a whole bunch of time talking about but it's also important to remember that Kaladin and Yasna and Dalinar are also all doing weird things. And Shalon. And Shalon, sorry. But all of these characters are all doing weird things. They're all abnormal. And while there may be something extra special about Renarin and Lyft, this back and forth reminds me that each of the characters is bringing something to the table. Would you like to play the questioner? There's a person on the forums who noticed that Shalon has the awesome memory thing going on. Yasna seems to have a really powerful kind of geolocation thing going on. Kaladin is a really good fighter. Are those just their traits or is there something supernatural going on? Brandon says, there is something supernatural going on. Each order, well, how about this? If you look at the scholar interpretations, there are some scholars who think that these things are not supernatural in the past, and some who said they definitely are. But many, if you look, many light weavers had powerful mnemonic abilities. So it's definitely tied to the orders. It's tied to the orders. Now, I'm not going to say that you've got them all 100% correct, but each order, there are things that come with the order things that do not add up from the simple, you get this power plus this power. There's something else going on. And I would say that for the Windrunners, watch the number of squires and the power of the squires is, it's abnormal for Windrunners, end quote. As I said, a reminder that even among these supernatural characters, Yasna, Shalon, Dalinar, Kaladin, Lyft, Renarin, they are all bringing something else to the table. They are beyond even their comparable situations. And in that same respect, the powers themselves haven't really been fully tapped. So we have abnormally powerful people and these powers themselves haven't been fully utilized. So we're really just like dipping our toes into illumination and transportation. and, And what do all of these things mean? We don't know. There's so much more that is possible. For example, one fan got Brandon off on a tangent about the power of the light weavers and what they are actually fundamentally doing, which is manipulating electromagnetic radiation, electromagnetic waves, because they are casting illusions. So they are projecting photons and electromagnetic waves and sound waves into physical space yeah and so from them come electromagnetism i mean yeah that is what it says in the like power chart it says that they control wavelength like of various types exactly and if you take that to its logical conclusion and what brandon did with this questioner well let's just go to the quote quote But the ultimate form that Brandon said would be too much to be both practical in both stormlight needed and its application would be the control of gamma radiation. If this could be harnessed, light weavers could literally become mini nukes or death guns. Fast forwarding, Brandon was happy to remind that things are going to get pretty interesting when light weavers discover lasers and start using them in combat. Lightweaver with a laser gun, that's fun. Yeah, it reminds me of the far future Rasharian who shows up on oh, yeah. First of the Sun and has clearly some type of weapon. 
you know, we, I think, heavily speculated that was a Windrunner because it said something about the color being blue. However, you know, what if there is laser guns that are Lightweaver bullets? You feel, I don't even know how it would work. It doesn't make sense, but they're able to manipulate electromagnetic waves. And if you can take that to its logical conclusion, that is gamma radiation, they could create the Hulk. That's all I'm saying. They have the ability to be Bruce Banner and to make little Bruce Banners. Let's refocus on Liv and Renarin. Let's talk a little bit about what they might mean for the future of the Cosmere. We know that they are both going to be point of view characters in the second half of Stormlight Archive. That both are messing with the balance and the equation of Odium's plans, Terra Odium's plans for both Rashar and for the Cosmere. Yeah, we- I think that's sort of the biggest implication of these two characters that they present these weird, sometimes literal blind spots for Odium that may disrupt whatever he is planning. And we see no reason why the blind spot of Renarin would impact Raysa Odium, but not Terra Odium. Right. So that blind spot should still exist. Yeah, because from what we understand, it's basically the same as two people burning ATM, where if you have two mm. people, in this case, Odium and Renarin, who can access future sight your future site cancels each other out because everything is constantly changing too much to be able to predict anything. Yeah, it's a null result. Yeah, and I have to imagine that that effect is only going to start becoming magnified since we have Relaine and other listeners now bonding other enlightened, corrupted mist spren. So that blind spot is just going to get bigger and bigger for Odium. That really is the question are these game breakers able to expand out from just an individual? Is it just Lyft is the superhero game breaker or Renarin is the superhero game breaker? Or are they examples of what is to come? I think that this is the difference between the two of them. They are both game breakers, but I think Lyft is unique. I think Lyft is a one-off. She exists because cultivation like specifically reached in and created this one special person mm-hmm. versus Renarin, I think, is exactly what you're saying. He's an example to other Radiants. We've already seen that start to expand. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of what's happening with Renarin, that situation just continues to ripple in like crazy ways because if you have this whole group of people now bonding enlightened mist spren okay obviously we're gonna get enlightened other types of spren we're gonna get a whole other set of like enlightened knights radiant which asks a bunch of questions about what are their abilities going to be what we've done here is basically pull back the layers in the way that during Mistborn Era 1, you were introduced to the metallic arts one by one and like slowly given a, oh, what if Vin was wearing an earring the entire time? I was telling you that metal spikes were dangerous and showing you what happens when people have metal spikes in them, but you missed the earring because you were distracted. That type of little bit of mixing of powers is then taken to a next step in era two and here i think we are at the earrings that's what these guys are (laughs) lift and renarin are the the hemallergic spikes that are examples of what is possible when powers start combining and being rearranged unexpectedly the other thing that occurred to me when i started thinking about the possible benefits of having lift and renarin in the story, I started to think that both Lyft and Renarin would be, I think, in better positions if something were to happen that either destroyed or corrupted the well of stormlight that exists. Lyft would obviously not be affected because she uses lifelight, and Renarin 
presumably could also use void light because of his corrupted spren. So they would both still be powered. Let's just say something crazy happens and Stormlight gets like poisoned or Odium does something to get rid of the high storms. Something happens. Mm -hmm. No one can use Stormlight anymore. Okay. Well, you still have these two characters who aren't affected. Ballers. Superheroes. (laughs) Well, we also have characters like Venli who should be able to right, yeah. use uh-huh. the void light. And presumably, she is also one of these kind of examples of things to come for her people, the the lost group of listeners. I think we have to imagine that in the event of some type of cataclysmic-like problem, that's when you want a game breaker. Because like the world yeah. as we know it is broken Oh, wait, like, well, Renarin can this do... this person didn't follow the rules anyway. Exactly. He's outside of time. Or Lyft is able to convert everything that Nightblood has ever ingested into <laughs> lifelight and, like, restart the tower or something like that. Just a, a huge, crazy feat once we figure out how the loophole is going to be utilized by Brandon. Also... If Lyft has some sort of connection, not just to the cognitive realm, but also the spiritual-ish realm, from this traveling into visions, etc., maybe at some point she develops the ability to be able to manipulate Odium's access to future sight, where she can, like, change what Odium is able to see. Completely possible. I, I mean, I... I'm just throwing out crazy I know. theories now. Let's go even further. Let's take it to the Cosmere Conversations crazy corner where I just hit you with as many theories as I can in, what do we say, 60 seconds? Sure. Okay. Other possible game breakers. We've got Lyft. We've got Renarin. Yes. But we previously talked about Fabrials and Compounding as types mm-hmm. of game breaking within their individual systems. Yeah. If we have Fabrials continued development, continued ability to get outside of the select few magic wielders, that could be a game-breaking technological development. Yeah, I okay. think that's true. What about the Bondsmith Unchained? This is just the idea, but mm, clearly Dalinar is yeah. the representative here, of these powers are uncontrolled right now and the bondsmith is the most powerful of all if he has some type of ishar like ability you know copies whatever ishar is doing realizes that he can connect people to the earth or disconnect them from the earth what types of game breaking become possible if your bondsmith don't care about no rules well this was my question does this enlightened night radiant situation only exist because honor is dead and like not here to regulate the surges and powers which is what it sounds like was sort of his function Mm. in the investiture system or would this corrupted spren thing have always been like a workaround into being a quote-unquote unchained Knight's Radiant even while Honor was alive. I would say by default that while he was alive, he kept it in check. And that was like his yeah, whole Yeah, it was thing. like not even possible. Exactly. It would have just been like the first thing that he shut down as like, that's against the rules. Don't do that. Follow my way. Yeah. Stormlight Like way. we have these sorted orders. Mm-hmm. There's 10 orders. They all get these surges that work in these ways. And I think this enlightened situation just cracks open the egg to so many different possibilities because not only can Spren maybe be corrupted by Ja'anat and we have this blending of Stormlight and Voidlight, but maybe there's some way that like cultivation can corrupt a Spren or something. Are there going to be Knights Radiant that are using Tower Light and War Light and Cultivodium Light? Are there going to be a million different series of knights radiant i think that is one possible developmental path but i would hope that they all circle back around to just using light and have a conversion mechanism where wherever their source may have been they can get it from everywhere because they have a cool little fabriel or something 
But we know that Ba'edo Mishram started the false desolation, kind of against the will of Odium. Yeah. We don't have any confirmation about like why specifically they did that, what their choices and desires were. But Ja'ana, going against the rules of honor, kind mm. of strikes me the same way. It's like the unmade getting a little uppity, and yeah. they're like, with the shards. Because they are yeah. just like, I don't need to listen to you. I'm cool. I'm yeah. an unmade. I mean, yeah, they're like relatively powerful. Mm-hmm, they're exactly. like grown-ups, Bren. They're like, yes. I'm a big kid. I'm a big kid, and I can do this myself, dad Odium. Yeah. Daddium. <laughs> Keeping that. And in the same way, Ja'ana saying, screw you, dead honor dad. I don't need to follow your once upon a time rules. I can make my own spren, enlightening them along the way. That to me is the big question here is like, what's the level of cooperation? What's the level of new invention? And then how are all those things incorporated? Yeah, it seems like this is sort of a turning point for Rashar because there have been relatively rigid rules and structures governing the way that power works on Rashar, maybe because of what happened on Ashen, which we have speculated about before. And we're sort of at a point with Honor Dead and with the Unmade and various things that are starting to happen, discoveries of lights and anti-light and all of that, that is disrupting the system and sort of causing a little bit of chaos in this pretty orderly structure up to this point. And so Rashar is really poised at this sort of jumping off point to the next era, which I guess is appropriate since we're almost at the end of the first half and the second half will be a new era. Now, you mentioned Ashen. I wasn't going to bring it up, but now I am going to bring it up. Oh, no. Because what is more a game breaker than a plague from Ashen with magical bacteria. Nothing is more game-breaking. I'll give you the answer. I gave you the answer (laughs) right there. I didn't need to wait. We all know that it's true. If there was some type of magical bacteria plague that has fostered on Ashen... On Ashen, the bacteria or viruses were the thing that gave people powers and then they used those powers in such a way that they destroyed the ability to live on ash yeah but they didn't destroy it for the bacteria they destroyed it for the humans the humans needed to flee are not going to be bad for anyone it's not going to be a plague they would just be like cool more power okay exactly They're saying cool, more power on Ashen. So right now, for the last thousands and thousands of years, that magical bacteria have been living all alone on Ashen, growing more and more powerful. And then whoops-a-daisy, if somebody goes to Ashen and brings that plague with them across the Cosmere, boom, that's COVID-19. There are still people living on Ashen. And so if they get off or they have the connection... I don't think that would work the way you're imagining it, but it's okay. Bacteria as the game breaker. That's what I'm bringing to the table here. You just had to end it on bacteria, didn't you? We don't need to end it on bacteria because there are two more people, actual individuals, who are off speculated as types of game breakers. Okay. And I want your just quick vote. Are they more a game breaker than Lift and Renarin or less? Okay. Okay. So, number one, everybody's favorite, Hoyd. I'm going to say yes. I think Hoyd is the OG game breaker. I agree. Or at least he's trying to be. That's what I think is actually the problem with Hoyd. I'm going to say- He's trying too hard. Yeah, basically. (laughs) What a tryhard, Hoyd. Not that he's a tryhard, but I think that he is the OG game breaker in the way of like- Everybody else, the 16, picked up and he was like, nah, I'll find my own way. I'm going to go my own path. And the problem, I think, is actually his connection to all of the different planets and their magic systems and their shards. And sometimes he's in maybe ingested beads of Laracium. That's Laris's bead and is clearly now bonded with Spren. He's attached to Rashar. He's too connected. And therefore, maybe limited in the same way that we were talking about previously. Yeah. While, here's the next one, Thytokar might have 
few limits in the future, or at least he's working to be free of his current limits. So more game breaker or less? Mm, my initial reaction was less because he is so limited. Mm-hmm. He's definitely trapped on Scadrill. Yeah. And I think just constrained in certain ways by being a cognitive shadow, you know? But he's a cognitive shadow now with a physical body. So he's got a zombie well, body. yeah, like the Heralds, which, yep. you know, it just it doesn't limiting. seem to really work out very well. I don't think you're at your best when you're a cognitive shadow inside of a human body. I agree. He is not at his best. But he also has, like, the most desire to break games, we'll say. <laughs> That's true. And so, like, it's really the his thing. is deep in his soul. So I'm going to I'm going to call a push on Thytokar. Be like, mm, could go either way. We're going to need some more time on that. Yeah. But I'm actually going to say Hoid less a game breaker than Lifter Renarin. Okay. That's a hot take for you right hot there. Hot take. That's you what... heard it here first, kids. If you'd like to hear more, we have a amazing series for the book club going on at patreon.com. You can join, become a patron, listen and follow along as we go through the Lightbringer series by Brent Weeks. Yes. If you are looking for a series to read before you start your Mistborn Era 2 reread in advance of the Lost Metal this fall, this is perfect. This series is very Cosmere-like, We have been having just a great time doing the book club over on Patreon, so check it out if you're interested. Obviously, you can always find us online everywhere else. That's right. Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. But I think right now, the patrons are basking in the ambiance because we're dishing out multiple episodes for the Lightbringer series. Each book is getting multiple episodes, the first one completely unspoiled. So if you've never read Lightbringer, you can just follow along. You can listen through one time without getting all of the spoiled information from future books. And if you have read Lightbringer series previously, there's a whole second episode just for you. And you can get every little bit of speculation. It's like Cosmere speculation taken up to 11. We appreciate all of you listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 